This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're going to be big and, and, and just big and beautiful. Like um, Jamon Brown was like, hey, man, you're, you just want to be big and beautiful your whole your whole career? <laughs> or do you, want to, do you want to actually push yourself and really drive and, and strive to become one of the best linemen in the league? And, and you know, when, when I had that conversation with Jamon, it, I felt like it started to click. This meeting is being recorded. And now you know this podcast is being recorded we are live coming to you from the from the pink seats studio i'm the host of the from the pink seats podcast jacob lane joined as always by my football guy vincent lococo no matt mcgavick tonight still soaking up to the beaches of antigua picking up new sports and becoming a caribbean connoisseur i cannot wait to see him come back with maybe like some braids like his little bit of hair will be in one braid <laughs> sticking up or like his beard will be braided i'm hoping for caribbean matt through the season uh but matt on vacation so tonight we move into week two our season uh preview episodes here a series that has been ongoing now for a few weeks as we look forward to the 2022 season which is just three weeks away it's crazy we are i think 22 days away as of, of this recording from the beginning of the season uh, and there's definitely a lot to talk about coaches have been talking players have been talking uh, and there's a lot to preview last week we previewed with keith Wynn the quarterbacks uh, in the secondary today we will look at the, the position that our guest uh knows best actually uh, in fact he was a former offensive lineman so we will look at the offensive line and the defensive line get into the nitty-gritty of the trenches with our good friend alex cupper former louisville offensive lineman former color commentator for the louisville football broadcast uh, and a guy that i really really enjoy listening talk football um, if you're not familiar with alex just a little bit of background on him he played at louisville from 2008 to 2011 under steve crackthorpe and charlie strong uh, was multiple for multiple seasons was the color commentator or the guy who uh, is alongside the play-by-play -play analyst uh, for the radio broadcast for louisville with paul rogers uh, and alex was fantastic doing that uh, he often appears on the red zone with nick coffee on 790 krd that's actually where i've gotten to be the most familiar with alex and really hearing his football insight he is a great listen and our audience is really going to benefit from his uh, knowledge of the offensive line defensive line positions and then this one right here is going to get vince excited He's a three-time state title winner at the Trinity at Trinity High School. Of course, you know the alma mater of Vince Lococo, uh, and I'm sure they will get into that tonight. But for now, Vince, just hold on to that. I know you're you're just. Grinding I thought I had two minutes. I no, thought not I had until not until I he had... gets on the show, man. You can't get your two minutes until he's on the show. So that that way we can get it out of the way. They're always trying to keep us down, people. They're always trying to keep Trinity down. 
So tons to get into tonight. We're going to talk about, like I said, the offensive line, defensive line. Louisville has seemingly come a long way from where we were three years ago, even two years ago from Louisville uh, uh, in terms of size, depth, all kinds of things. So we're going to talk about that uh, and what that means for the program, the win total, all those things. We'll do a little bit of buy or sell at the end of the episode after looking at the positions. I'm really excited to get into this. Um, Vince, I know this this season offensive line is going to be really intriguing for you because your good friend uh, and former colleague uh, Nick Cardwell is now the offensive line coach. Came here to be the tight end coach, and he said, "You know what? Uh, we lost the coach. Why don't you just slide over? It's perfect. The guys love you." So, an ideal situation, Coach Cardwell. But why don't you just talk a little bit about what what you expect on the offensive line and the defensive line before we bring Alex in? I, I expect them to play a lot harder than they have in the past. Uh, you know, Carwell's a guy that gets people to buy into the program, buy into the offense, buy into if we're all working in unison at one time, uh, something successful successful is going to happen at the end. Uh, you're gonna, obviously going to see the intensity that uh, Carwell has brought out by some of his players, which I'm excited to see. So I, I, I'm really excited about this offensive line, Jacob. I think, you know, it could be one of the better ones we've had of recent years. Now, what about on the other side of the ball? Defensive line. I think we, uh, last season, I think our show, we did a pretty good job, not to our own horn here, but of being critical of the defensive line to the, the point of even potentially looking at Mark Ivey being a candidate to not come back. He is back. Yaya Diaby, Ashton Gelati both have taken big steps forward, benefiting from Ben Souders. You get Jermaine Lole, former um, preseason all Pac-12 defensive lineman. You're talking about a guy who comes in who can play the inside position, the outside position. Uh, what do you think about the defensive line? Uh, I'm excited for those guys, too. I mean, you bring in uh, Jermaine, and honestly, I'm excited about Tafik Thomas, too, Jacob, another 300-pound-plus interior guy that we're kind of expecting to play right now. Uh, And Caleb Banks, as well, a freshman last year who redshirted, is up to over 300 pounds now. So it's going to be fun. I expect them to be a lot bigger, obviously, than what this past season, even years prior, have been. And, uh, you know, all the thing about Coach Ivy is, yeah, people might have been saying, should he come back? Should he not? Things like that. But I guarantee you everybody on that D-line will lay in the middle of the road for Coach Ivy. They love Coach Ivy, and I am excited to see Ivy get, you know, his opportunity with some dude. The other intriguing part, uh, specifically the offensive line, last thing before we transition here to Alex, is in, two, in 2019, one of the most interesting stats was the the fact that Malik Cunningham was, I think, top three in the country when having a clean pocket. Obviously, in 2019, the difference there was Mekhi Becks and Tyler Haycraft, two guys who spent time in the NFL, right? They obviously had a couple of guys on that offensive line that are still here today. So 2022, right, we fast forward three years. Offensive line is going to grow massively, not only by size, but uh, experience and just overall leadership, accountability, things like that. How important do you think them keeping a clean pocket for Malik is in terms of him kind of getting back to some of the big passing numbers from 2019? It's huge because even, you know, in 19, he's, he had Tutu to throw the ball to. Everybody talked about it all the time. He's just looking at Tutu and Dez and then probably they're going to take off. And as you like to mention, Jacob, he's probably not going to throw that dump pass. So, uh, you know, with these wide receivers we have, he's not really going to be narrowed in on one singular guy. So having good pass protection is going to, you know, allow Malik to feel a lot more comfortable in the pocket, being able to sit there and go through his reads, his progression, and say, you know what, I might not have somebody open here. Let me take it off. Or he might go to his third read instead of his second read, which could turn out to be a touchdown play. So all that stuff correlates together. Like, 
I like to say on this show, football is the best sport in the world because it's all 11 people working at one time for one common goal. And it only takes one person to be out of whack for everything to get jacked up. Well, speaking of being jacked up, I am jacked up for this episode in true offensive line fashion. I try to channel my offensive, offensive line uh, by eating hot dogs before the episode, all right? So I tackled the glizzies before we got going on the show. So I am feeling the meat sweats right now. No better way to talk offensive line. We're going to do that with Alex Cupper. But before we transition to that, I want to go ahead and just remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you have not already from the Pink Seats Podcast. You can find us on any platform where you get your podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod. All kinds of good stuff there. And of course, follow our host here at Vincent Lococo, at Matt underscore McGavick, at Jacob Lane 08. And be sure to subscribe to the other podcasts on the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Stateoflouisville.com is the website. We will be right back with Alex Cupper. Let's talk about the trenches. The play in the trenches for Louisville football is going to be a key for the season this year, as it has been for each of the last couple of years. And there's nobody better to talk to tonight when talking about offensive line and defensive line play than former Louisville offensive lineman Alex Cover. Alex, how are you, man? Welcome in from the Pink Seeds Podcast. It's great to have you on. Yeah, oh, guys, I appreciate you all having me on, and I'm doing doing really well. Ready, just like you all are for um, some more card, some more football in general, but some Cardinal football too. Yeah, and we're expecting big things this year. I don't know. We'll obviously get into, you know, the, the positional previews, but we're expecting big things from Louisville this year after things have kind of, you know, been good, not great, and then bad at a lot of times. So it's going to be an interesting season for sure. But let me let me start with this. Obviously, Louisville's in fall camp right now. These guys are battling every single day, getting better. As an offensive lineman, can you just – a former offensive lineman, can you describe to our audience what fall camp is like for somebody like you? Like what you go through drill-wise, how hard it is just daily on your body – recovery things like that like how how did you kind of experience fall camp yeah I guess the best way I can relate to uh just people that I'm with on a day-to-day people I work with when you when you step out in that heat and just walk to your car in the morning and you feel like that slow you know and you're and you're doing the same thing in the afternoon when it's even hotter and back when we used to practice two days and everything um it is an absolute grind it's everything you hear about I mean there it's been well documented um, I don't know if y'all saw the first episode of Hard Knocks, but I, we were always big Hard Knocks fans because that's that's really lays it out. I mean, it's it's really hot. It's really, I mean, people are sometimes throwing up. You know, like you get pushed to the limit in every which way, um, and it is it is something that is um, a test and something not really many people miss when you talk about former players. I'm not. I'm, I mean, I, I do miss playing football and camp I could suck it up probably for a week or so but you know when you look at the multi-weeks multiple weeks in a row you're doing the same thing and you're trying to get install and you're trying to build uh your your group and your offense or defense and the team together and trying to grow and and be ready for that uh that week one game um it, it all starts obviously in training camp so um you got to start somewhere and um you know these guys have been at it for a little over a week plus so um, ho- hopefully they're progressing and they're um, they're working towards something special. So for you, what was the differences? Because whenever I was with uh, Coach Petrino and Coach Satterfield, I was on the back half of that two-a-day stuff. So I only got one year of two-a-days in college. So <laughs> just a little taste of, I guess, what you experienced for four or five years. Uh, I mean, just the young guys in the morning and then with the vets in the afternoon. But right. what were your two different uh, camp styles like under Coach Crackthorpe and Coach Strong? 
Yeah, I mean, at that point in the late 2000s, like 2010, 2011, I mean, the, the coaching staff, the, the the training staff, everyone was aware of, all right, this this like crazy kind of gauntlet mentality where only only the strong survive kind of thing. That's, you know, that that's old school, very old school. And really, when it comes to the necessity of said things, yes, you have to get your team tougher. Um, and coach, you know, if, if we needed two straight, just absolute bruiser of a practices, um, Coach Strong would really deliver that because it's, you know, the, the team's mentality. Um, he, he didn't like where our, our heads were at. So it's like, okay, if you need to work, you got to work. Um, but typically the, the first practice in the morning is the big grind. It's where you're doing a lot of hitting, a lot of banging. And the second one in the afternoon typically was was kind of not a dress rehearsal, but more more special teams, less less hitting, more. I mean, you're you're getting out there again, so it's not like you're just you know cakewalking, going through a walkthrough. Um, but it, it was definitely not the same tone tempo as the first one. So um, yeah, that was uh, I get I get to say I guess um, be with some of those old timers that say I was I was a part of two a days when that when that was still a thing and. If anybody brings up three a days, it's just laughable because they the first two went out there. They're just, three a days. No, not me. I'm talking about the old school guys that like talk about it. I'm like, you you must have just rolled the ball around a couple times. <laughs> All right, one, there's two, there's you know, it's like you didn't really get after it twice. So um, yeah, it's it's just a different mentality, and uh, it's all for player safety, and and that all all those things were were coming into focus when I was finishing up playing. So it's they're all they're all positive things for the player, really. Well, uh, I got w- one question for you is a coach strong question, I guess. And uh, it's more of a story, really. They some of the guys that I was around under coach strong, like Colin Holba. I don't know if he was there at the same time as you were. He might have been a freshman while you were a senior. But uh, yep. he said coach strong was notorious for, you know, if he didn't like the intensity with which you all were stretching of some sort that he would just blow the whistle dead and he'd be like, all right, line up on the goal line right here, offense versus defense. Like, oh we're going at it, full go. I would die. Is that, I'm not a football player, but I would die. Is that true? Would, would he do that? Uh, he would, but it's when the older I got, the more I kind of got in tune with it. It's like it was really scripted. It was something that wasn't really – you could have – I mean, I don't know how you can tell – you can tell intensity from stretching or focus and everything. But I don't know how you can tell, like, it's like, oh, my God, this team really needs to – I feel like it was more of a uh, – it was a it was a scripted, hey, Vance, Bedford, and, and um, you know, offense guys, it's, it, we're, we're going to go at it, like, right off the bat. So, just be ready. It, it's not in the, it's not in the uh, practice script, but we're doing it. So, uh, but, no, he, he would – we, we restarted practice. My senior year training camp, there was one practice where we restarted two or three times and it's almost like he was he was like you all really think i'm just gonna let you keep going like he's like nope go run back to the fence and everybody get back out here and let's do it you know let's listen listen how this shit works he was definitely if if the mentality wasn't there he was gonna get it there i watched highlights today on twitter they were kind of going viral of the joint practice and this is the last thing before i let vince uh and you guys get into some trinity football i told him he could have two minutes of time to talk about trinity on the show (laughs) Uh, but I noticed that the, in the videos, they I think he said it was five or six different fights that broke out, and I know it's a joint practice, so guys are just desperately trying to hit somebody that's not a teammate. But were you personally a fighter? Did you like to get into into brawls during camp, or did you try to stay away from that? Yeah, it's it didn't really. You're not gonna you're not gonna earn stripes. Or you, I don't know who you're gonna impress. 
This isn't like a turf war by any means. You know, it's not like the uh, any sort of person, you know, is going to try and come on my turf and take something, you know. So it uh, a lot of macho man kind of deals. So that that wasn't really my deal. If somebody needed to get put in their place, um, that's I would make for. That's right. Place. Yeah, there was yeah, there's a couple of times where it was like, all right, that's uncalled for and you didn't know about it. Uh, but I, w- I was never going to instigate. And you typically, whenever you see the like NFL practices, probably what you're mentioning, there's always an instigator. There's always some shit starter that wants to stir stuff up and they pick on the right person that gets it stirred up. You know, how many fights did you see Dexter Heyman get into in training camp? That's a guy who I would imagine got into some brawls. <laughs> You know, well, maybe early, early on when he was trying to like earn his stripes, if he was getting, you know, somebody yeah. was trying to uh, call him to the rubber, if you will. But he, once he got older, he, he definitely got wise. With Dexter was very, he's a very wise, really intelligent um, person and football player. So he knew it's, he, he picked up, he's like, this is just stupid. What are we doing? So he would, he could intimidate the hell out of you. I know that. I'd imagine that. All right, Vince, I'm going to give you some time. I don't know if you've got a story, question, whatever it is. I do want to hear this, right? I'm not, I'm an Eastern high school grad. So the football tradition in my high school, not as great as you guys. You two are just separated by a few years. So Vince, like you kind of talked about, you followed behind Alex. So you two give me two minutes of good Trinity football talk and, and then we'll move on into Louisville. <laughs> well, Alex, they, they like to think that I love to just talk about Trinity 24-7 all the time. That's all I talk about ever. But, I mean, as you know, you won three state championships. It's very hard not to you know, bring up good football. So, I, I guess my question for you was, you went both ways, correct? So, how was that at Trinity High School trying to go both ways uh, with that kind of intensity, I guess? Yeah, that's it's really funny you asked that because I was just thinking about that uh, the other day because my I got my youngest is seven and he's going to start getting in. You know, we're playing flag still, but starting getting into it. It's like, man, is he going to play defense or offense? And I thought back to when's the last time I played defense and it was a Trinity. And I was like, was I any good? Well, I <laughs> you're decent. good. You're good. <laughs> good. You know, like what were some of the moves that I did and. Um, I was definitely more of an offensive player. I was more, my game was crafted to be quick and sudden and, and all that. And I didn't have a ton of um, linear speed as much um, to get around. But like, yeah, I mean, there was, there was, when I needed to be used on defense, they used me um, and, and had some success too. It was more playoff driven. We'd get reps during the season, um, but usually when we were playing, oh, no offense, Jacob, but when we played Eastern, I didn't need to play defense. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you know. When, I so, will say, though, I think in my – I don't know what year you graduated high school. Was it 2007, 2008? 2008, yep. Okay, so my junior year, uh, maybe my sophomore year, uh, Eastern went – I think it was – I don't remember how many games they played in the year. What was it, nine or ten in a season? But they went – they lost one game, and it was to Trinity – and it was Eastern's best year in school history, and they lost to Trinity by 49, if that tells you anything on what that, <laughs> what that was like for Eastern. So, yeah, not much tradition for football in my lineage. Uh, but, you know, let's jump right into what we came here to do, which is break down the offensive line, defensive line. Big, big seasons. I know every position group has really got a put-up-or-shut-up type of year, but there's been so much criticism of both the offensive line and the defensive line. Uh, like we did last week, just a quick general update, just so you're aware, if you've not been following throughout the offseason, of who is gone, who is coming in, who is back. Uh, Louisville will lose Cole Bentley to graduation. They lost Tim Lawson, a reserve uh, offensive tackle. 
uh, to transfer as well as Desmond Daniels, who split time at tight end offensive tackle. I don't think he ever appeared in the game. Uh, mostly death pieces there, but you do lose a starter, a four-year starter in Cole Bentley. Uh, but bringing uh, coming back for Louisville, big pieces. They get Caleb Chandler back, who is going to be a first-team All-ACC player. And you've got Trevor Reed coming back as the left tackle for his second year. Adonis Boone, Renato Brown return. So you bring back four of your five starters, plus Brian Hudson, a guy much like you, Alex, who's able to play multiple positions, uh, is going to be the starter there at center. And we've heard a little bit this offseason about his importance from the communication standpoint. Uh, and then from the reserves, you've got Josh Black, Austin College, Luke Can- Austin Collins, Luke Kandra, Michael Gonzalez, Aaron Gunn, and Kobe Baines all back. So you've got several guys who'll be able to play. And then incoming, they bring in a, a more depth, right? Max Cabana, Isaiah Reed, uh, Mokte G, I think is how you pronounce the last name there. And then Sam Seacrest all are in the 2022 class. So Alex, let me ask you this, just off the top before we dive into the nitty gritty of this, are they going to be better or are they going to be worse than what they were last year on the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think, you know, Cole Bentley, yes, you lose um, experience. But, I mean, he and he was a guy that, I mean, you didn't – when you felt his impact, it was usually a negative thing, right? You never, you never really felt like he, he gave you a positive impact. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean he wasn't doing his job. He wasn't getting people targeted, wasn't doing all the things he needed to do. So don't want to undersell his impact to um, – to the units that he played on, but I definitely think that um, Hudson would be, will be able to uplift the team and not, and fill that void um, that he, that you lose, I guess, from the starting position that he had. Um, I think it all, it all depends on how these, these guys develop, you know, Adonis Boone and, and Caleb Chandler, Caleb Chandler, the other way around with Bentley, he's, he's played a ton of football. It feels like he started for years and years and years. um, And, and you have felt his impact, right? So there's, there, he does get notoriety um, in those preseason rankings and postseason, like you mentioned. So he, he's going to be a guy that you want to anchor around. Um, and, you know, having, having Adonis Boone on, as the other guard, that's another good player, good solid player. You just want, you want him to really max, max out everything. Max your, you know, it's your last, last go around of this thing, kid. You know, like you're not going to have another shot at it. This is your all's year. Put it on your back. Give it all you got. You know, it's if NFL is that that's really, you know, usually guys, that's what everybody wants. Um, but really, you should think first and foremost, I need to be the best player. I need to give everything I got to this season. Um, so having that guy as a leader with Caleb Chandler as your guards, Hudson. So your center center pieces are going to be should be very solid. Um, and when it comes to Trevor Reed, been I know he gets banged up and been inconsistent when it comes to, you know, being pulled, not pulled, but a guy that is not good enough to keep on the field. So Michael Gonzalez played a lot last year. That's great. But the fact that, you know, they they felt like they needed to play him because the guy in front of them wasn't, you know, wasn't doing enough for you to, to stay on the field, a little concerning. Um, but same thing with Ronaldo Foster. I mean, that's a bit, you're looking at him. He started as a freshman, but it's like, you can be big and it, it was big and beautiful like um, Jamon Brown is like, hey man, you're you just want to be big and beautiful your whole your whole career, <laughs> or do you want to do you want to actually push yourself and really drive and and strive to become one of the best linemen in the league? And and you know when when I had that conversation with Jamon, it, I felt like it started to click. And you know his his career, it, he did not stagnate. He went, when he slid over to offensive line, it was like, no, I got to put in the work because I can be something special. So. There's a, there's a lot of guys on this line that, that can fall into that category. It's just how bad they want it. Diving into the center position a little bit more, uh, I'm sure you're real familiar with the offense. We run the outside zone scheme and stuff like that. 
uh, how hard is it for, I guess, you know, if you have a bad center in there, how much does it mess up the guard and everybody else because he's not capable of reaching or moving up to that next level? Yeah, so when you look at kind of how Coach Satterfield likes to attack the run game, um, definitely there, there's a stretch side, which is that you usually the first three linemen or you, you throw the tight end there if you're, you're playing to the strong side. Those three and four, four guys need to be quick and sudden and agile to be able to get, like you said, get those get that position reach, gain an edge, gain an advantage. And if you can't, you're able to push those guys and stretch the defensive line along uh, so that you can have a cutback lane and cutback and puncture. And the, the, so those backside elements, when the, when those come into play, right? So there's there's a lot of times where your backside, if you're manned up, or if you if you've got a you know a positive box, or you, you're putting the h the halfback or fullback in a position to block that backside linebacker is what the, you know it's a man scheme is the way I look at it. Um, your center is super important, but if you want to lead, and a lot of times you know if if you got really athletic interior players and your center's a little outmatched then your lead blocker is going to take that first guy in the box. So um, they're, Satterfield's able to – and I, very – I mean, he's extremely cerebral uh, football-wise when he knows – he kind of knows where the advantages are and knows where his weaknesses are, and he, and he crafts the play call around that. So all those formations, shifts, uh, motions, that's, that's all to diagnose kind of what set, what, what front the, um, the offensive line is going to have to kind of have to attack. Um, and if you're, I mean, if your center is not going to beat the nose tackle that day, then you're going to see a lot of lead. You're going to see a lot of double team on the nose tackle. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's ways around it, but the center, when uh, all those things, he needs to be able to point out where, who's blocking who. So, so those plays and those formations are only as good as the guys that are able to execute them. I think it's interesting with Brian Hudson, first of all, that he throws shot put. And I want to get your opinion on that because I would have to imagine an offensive lineman that can throw shot put has a special place in a guy's heart like yours. Like how many offensive linemen did you play with who did track and field? You know, it's something I, sh- I never even gave it a thought in, in high school. It's shame on me, but no, it's, it's definitely something um, that is, uh, you have to be super explosive, obviously it's an Olympic sport for God's sake. So, uh, <laughs> coach Betty wasn't letting you play track. <laughs> you you coach Betty wasn't letting you out of track the best part. And I know a lot of guys ran track just for like to stay in shape and like the, it's essentially like speed drills, essentially like you're training, training to do all these things, um, uh, for it to be sudden and to be explosive. And it's like, man, if you're going to do that, then. Might, might as well do it and be throw shot. That dude, I, I, don't, I don't know, is, is he any good? I, did he just throw, I mean, obviously. I don't, know. Made, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what defines a good shot putter. I remember seeing some some stuff on social media, and I said, you know what, he throws shot put. That's enough for me. I wouldn't right. want to battle him. I know that. But you talk about the importance of bringing all these guys back. Louisville essentially has five starters coming back, right? Brian Hudson played multiple spots last year. You slide him into center, which is where he played a lot of the time at Virginia Tech. Um, and you're talking about a cohesive group that's going to be able to uh, pick up what Coach Cardwell is, is putting down, especially the fact that these guys all know him and all played with uh, him as a what was he a quality assistant, quality control guy. Yeah, uh, quality back, control. Back, back in the, the first part of Satterfield's stint. So it's all these kind of variables coming in. And for me, Alex, I think the key to this offensive line from being good to great is the development of Trevor Reed and Renato Brown, right? I, I mean, I know that's kind of – the, the, the basics for an offensive line is you want your tackles to be pretty good. But I thought last year, Trevor Reed showed flashes. 
obviously you kind of talked about him going in and out, then playing Michael Gonzalez there, who uh, not that it's concerning, but Eric Wood, when we talked to him earlier this offseason, could not stop raving about Michael Gonzalez. And it makes you wonder, okay, well, maybe Trevor Reed's spot's not as safe as you think. But for me, I think the key in the storyline for this group is how much better can those two guys become? Because if you can keep the edges sealed, man, you give Malik that space to step in behind Brian Hudson, Caleb Chandler, Adonis Boone, three physical, nasty blockers. And that changes everything for Malik from a passing standpoint. No, I know. Yeah, definitely. Those guys, um, I mean, if, you, if you're going to be shirt up in the middle and you, you, you're caving in on the outside, that's, that's I mean, as, as bad as a pocket as you can get. But, I mean, Malik can, can make them right. You just don't want to bank on that. When, he, when it, a quarterback that you, you need his arm, his legs are great. And if he gives you a couple plays a game where he, you know, he has an explosive play with his legs, all the better. But the success, I mean, just doesn't – I mean, when, when the comparison, the dreaded comparison, obviously, between Lamar and, and him, Lamar just he, – he would chew up yards so much faster than Malik does. And it, it looks like it just takes, takes more out of Malik um athletically to have to run the ball if he if he's able to sit in the pocket and really use his arm and 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 you know stretch the football field with his arm and and getting the ball into Baker's hands I think that's when this team's going to be successful if, if running backs are running the ball and, and going for explosives like they were uh the first couple of years that that's that's going to be the key to the uh key to success long term I feel season if the offense line is able to open holes for the running back and if Malik can can shuffle in a couple you, you definitely don't want to rely on them you want them to be able to sit in that pocket comfortably and diagnose the defense and throw the ball down the field depth part of that is the the kind of next evolution is the the you know the three four five six guys that play behind them um and i want to ask this question as uh, an audience member but also i want to just kind of throw this out there that i didn't play football so this is going to be me being a football illiterate so for you two why is it important for an offensive line to have depth right i know that sounds like a silly question but how much do offensive lines really rotate and how important is it when, yep. or how big of a difference is it when you have the six guys, Vince, you saw this up close and personal in 2019, you got six guys. So you got five plus one that can play versus maybe seven, eight, nine. Like how much of a big deal is that for an offensive line? Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely need at least, I feel like six, six or seven solid guys, like guys that you'd be comfortable if somebody's hurt, if somebody's dinged up and they need to sit for a week you slide that one in and it's like, okay, we don't miss a beat. We're like, it's not even a concern. It's like, we're, that line ain't moving. We're going to be good. When you get into like the eight, nine and 10, those are guys, I mean, if, if you have those younger pieces that it's like athletically, they're there, they're ready. I mean, they understand the defense. They just need live game reps. Like I was there end of my red shirt freshman, definitely sophomore year when I started getting some, it's like all, all I needed was that live, those live bullets to really strengthen my game and to sharpen where I was as a player. Um, if you have those types of guys on your like eight, nine, then that's that's the depth that people talk about. If you are literally you got five good ones and everything behind you is developmental and and not ready to like step in, it's like that that would be a cause for concern. That'd be something where it's you know you're you're one injury away of uh, we're losing, probably going to have to cost us a game or two. Um, so you want you want at least six or seven good like really just as starters basically. Yeah. And Vince, before you step in, I want to throw this to you because I think this is a question you can answer uh, because of, you know, being on the staff and being around these guys. But um, Josh Black, Austin Collins, um, uh, Kobe Baines, these guys came in with a lot of hype, a lot of potential. They're reserve players. But, you know, Louisville had these guys coming in as high three star, high four stars. 
these are guys that you saw up close and personal. Are they going to be able to eventually impact and help this offensive line in your opinion? I know obviously Luke Kandra is the guy that everybody's talking about, but those are the three that I'm really interested in because they've been here now for three, four years. No, I, I think they have the, they will be presented the opportunity to succeed. Will they, that's going to be up to them and what they do, what they're doing right now. And in the off season, uh, I think a guy like Austin Collins, who's smart, you know, he, you guys saw him uh, his freshman year, last game of the season in 2020. He did just fine in there. He had the infamous interview at the end where he's like, well, that's actually my first game playing center. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wow, your first game playing center is, you know, the college football game. But it, I'm excited for these young guys. I want to see how they develop under Nick Carwell because it's almost like having Coach Ledford back for these guys being energy-wise and everything like that. That's great insight. And I, I think for a lot of Louisville fans, the expectation should be that at this point for those guys, they should be ready to play, right? It's year three, year four. They've been there now. They've been able to see the system. Now, true, there are guys in front of them, right? Like, let's not act like there's no, like a slouch at left guard that they're trying to compete for the spot for. But I think for this year, you know, if injuries and attrition set in the way that they do in a regular football season, I think Louisville fans want to see those guys step in and play well, you know, even throwing a guy like Aaron Gunn, who was in the class last year, um, because of the fact that they've been here, they should be able to get onto the field they were hyped three and four star players at the time. So, you know, what's been going on in the development room, hopefully Nick Cardwell is a guy who can unlock some of this. All right. Last question here. And then we'll get out of here. And Alex, this question will be for you from your perspective of what you've seen uh, as a fan and as a guy watching uh, multiple college football programs, but Nick Cardwell is the offensive line coach. In 2019, he was notorious for, you know, getting on top of the player's shoulders, the, 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 you know, the speech, the hoorah before making himself bleed by hitting himself with a helmet, all the crazy things he did. But now he's literally the offensive line coach. Um, he brings a new energy and a new passion. He's a young guy. What are your impressions of what he's going to bring overall to that group? You'd know better than I because I'm not as close. I, I, I had a couple conversations with Ledford when he was here and, and obviously very, very um, – that was a bummer to see him go, to say the least, uh, just because I knew how much impact um, just in the locker room when it came to building a culture again and establishing kind of how things need to be done for success. Um, it sounds like this this guy brings that with the added juice of being a little young. You know, I'm not saying Coach Ledford is long in the tooth by any means, but, you know, <laughs> he's an established coach, right? He's an established coach that has, you know, has a rhythm, has several, you know, has things, but he's, he's young enough to be able to connect. Um, which is what, you know, you want any, uh, no, no matter how old the coach is, you want to be able to connect with their players. Um, it sounds like Cardwell does. And he gives that added juice that should, you know, when it comes to, like we mentioned to begin with uh, the training camp days where you might be a little sluggish on day, you know, 13, 14, um, a guy like this is, is exactly what you need. It's a jolt of life to get you focused, to get you amped up, uh, to get the work in needed to become, you know, that those players that we need. Um, on down the depth chart and, and the guys that we need in the front line. So, um, sh I mean, all what, what you all are saying, I am, you know, obviously taking it for um, taking it for gospel because you were there, uh, Vince. So I, I'm super juiced for what Coach Cardwell and, um, and the group can do. Cardwell is the type of guy that, Alex, you would probably run through a brick wall for it during, yeah. during your playing days. Like, like you said, high energy guy, things like that. But it's just like the intensity with everything. I mean, he, he connects with everybody. He, it's going to be fun with him, I, I believe. I was in the, in the facility the other day picking up something for a fundraiser nice. and uh, ran, into, ran into him in the hallway. And 
you know, he already lost his voice. We're three days, three, four days into camp. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm like, you just out there yelling to yell. He's like, well, no, no, no. I mean, you gonna, you know, I got to bring the juice. So, <laughs> who was the juice man on uh, any of the of the teams and staffs that you were a part of? Oh man, the hype man. Um, you know, Daniel Brown would always do a really good job. Like he he wasn't a starter, but he was he'd been around, and he'd be able to like get, like he had like that entrusted seniority. If that is even if that even makes sense, you know, Preston Brown obviously played in front of him was a better player um and daniel knew that but like he would like he'd be able to like i don't know get, do something like to create like a, a the oh shit it's go time kind of thing um so that's one that would be that you may not you may not um be able to dial back just based on you know watching interviews or or seeing kind of face-to-face um how somebody is but there was a couple more i don't i don't want to sell anybody short but man just had to get it done you would have died seeing Ledford break his hand. I think it was NC State in pregame. Uh, oh, wow. You know, the big offensive line whiteboards they use, so, we all, so all y'all can look at it at the same time. Uh-huh. And he just turned around and MF'd and boom, just right through the middle. <laughs> Obviously, he played it cool to his guys, but, I mean, he pulls down his headset and he's like, yo, I think I fucking broke my hand. <laughs> and we're like, oh, my God, no, you did not. Jesus. Yeah, that is a level of intensity that I certainly do not have in my repertoire. Uh, let's move let's move along right here and go into the defensive line uh, for Louisville. A little bit of a different situation for them. Uh, not as much returning in terms of, well, there's some, some good returning pieces, but uh, definitely not uh, the caliber, at least, of the offensive line. But just a general update on the position. Uh, leaving the program, Dana Kennard, Jaquez Turner, Tiberius Peterson, Malik Clark, Derek Dorsey, all these guys graduated playing in that fifth, sixth year uh, and then Jadarian Boykin was the lone transfer who transferred down to Middle Tennessee State. Uh, but bringing you come back with Yaya Diaby and Ashton Gelati, who were two guys who started the majority of the season last year when they were uh, healthy, both battled injuries. Des Tell is another guy who's played a lot over the last three years uh, when healthy. Uh, and also depth pieces in uh, Jared Dawson, Henry Bryant, our favorite walk-on, Mason Riger, uh, and then Ramon Purier and, and Eastern Eagle. Got to shout him out since there's so much Trinity love tonight. Got to shout out a fellow Eagle there. Uh, and then Zach Edwards, another depth piece. Uh, but incoming is where this position is really interesting, Alex. And it's because uh, the number one criticism on that defense, uh, at least from a defensive line standpoint, has been size. From day one, playing uh, 265-270-pound nose tackles just isn't going to get it done when you're going up against the Clemsons and the Kentuckys and the uh, the Alabamas and all the, the SEC programs and those big guys out there. So they bring in 305-pound Jermaine Lolay or 335-pound Jermaine Lolay, who was a, a preseason All-American at, at uh, Arizona State. They bring in Tafik Thomas, who was a three-star defensive lineman who will uh, play about 315. But this is a guy who was dropping 30 points a game on the basketball court at 325 pounds and 6'6". Uh, so definitely a guy with a lot of uh, athleticism there. And then Selah Brown um, is a freshman from Mail High School uh, who comes in as a four-star recruit. So definitely some intriguing pieces. Uh, but the key here, you bring back uh, Yaya Diaby uh, and Ashton Gelati on the edges, and you bring in Jermaine Lolay. Um, Alex, I don't know how much you've watched defensive line over the last few years, what your kind of opinion on them has, has been. But uh, just from what you, you know or what you care to see this year, what's kind of the biggest storyline or the biggest thing that you've been watching from that group? You know, when you look at the pieces that you mentioned, obviously size is, is going to be something that anybody can tell. It's like, oh, man, that guy's bigger than the guys before. Great, you know. And, and those are good, and guys can get bigger, stronger, faster. Great. Um, but at the end of the day, you need you need dudes. I mean, 
in my personal opinion, stopping the rush and being able to do, uh, you know, core down kind of things, um, that, is, that is definitely talent driven. Don't get me wrong. But you're always, I mean, I feel like we, you know, Coach Coach Brown's been able to get people to third down, right? So, like, ha- having the Jermaine um, uh, transfer, those two transfers you mentioned, I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher the name. So I'm not Jermaine Lolay. I called him Jermaine Lowell for like two weeks. It is Lolay. Okay. Jermaine Lolay. He sounds really big and yes. scary. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to, and this is just watching as a fan and understanding how, you know, Coach Brown calls his defense. You can get people to third down. Then what the hell are you going to do? You know, not everybody gets double teamed. That gets double teamed. You have three one on ones, and we don't win enough of them. You know, when it comes to Diaby, Jalade, um, Yasir Abdullah is probably the the most. You know, if you want to call it a dark horse, but he he's a guy that I look at. That man, this dude is. He can actually he can do something. He's got quickness. He's strong. He's able to. He put piece together a couple good pass rush moves in his arsenal, and he he can get for back. So um, that that's the big defense getting production, getting getting the quarterback off its spot, not just letting that freaking guy lefty from Virginia just sit there and pick us apart and beat us oh in our home God. crowd. I mean that game stings into this day. Just watching that, just sit back there and just massage the ball literally for five seconds. It's like my oh. Um, yeah, that's that's my that's my feeling on defense. You need you need some dudes to step up and start becoming playmakers. Here's my here's my question uh, for you, being an offensive lineman. How uh, Brown likes to run some different twists in various games and things like that, some stuff to try and confuse the defense, the offensive lineman. Uh, how much of that confuses the offensive lineman when you're in pass pro? And uh, and particularly like your pre-snap reads and things like that. How is the various different ways they could disguise it to confuse you if you were the center? You know, I mean, when it when it comes to game, I mean, if especially, I mean, third down, obviously. Um, but if it's something where that's that's all that you're expecting, you can you, all you do is just take a deep set, and it doesn't matter how well they disguise it. Doesn't matter how well their technique is. They can do a you know a delayed game. Sometimes those are those are ones that um, that would always screw with you just because you would get engaged and you'd have the and all of a sudden you just feel this big ass bump into you. And it's like, did he mean to do that? Like, why the hell did he? I mean, it took forever. Um, I think they called it a natural. We used to call it. They call it a natural. Um, So like a natural tea or whatever. Um, But those things, I mean. If that's what you're banking on, and, and there's a lot, I'm not saying that any defense does, but um, if that's what you need to get to the quarterback, great. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, w- winning one-on-one matchups, being being a better player than the guy in front of you at least a couple times a game um, and, and, executing, and executing a good pass rush and getting to the quarterback, um, th- those are the really the core items that you look for from uh, Abdullah, from Gelati, from, from Diaby. Um, to try and get to the quarterback and, and become better pass rushers. What What's the one pass rush move that gave you Fritz as an offensive lineman? I, I got I got to know because I mean you you're a center, so I mean yeah you moved, you played uh, some tackle in college, right? But uh, I mean being question. a center, I feel like a lot of times it's just a bull rush or you know a pick or something maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, le- being a left tackle. Uh, but the thing is, when you move out there, the guys get smaller. So when it, I'd say the biggest thing, if if I was sitting there as a guard, especially in the in the NFL, um, if a dude took a three step like he was going to sell, he was going to speed rush and he bull rushed, 
that those were that would be the kryptonite. If you ran, ran down the the sent my center line, I don't my arms aren't long enough to punch you fast enough, basically. So it's um, you know game set match. But any any, any dude that tried to spin, dude, dude likes the cute moves. Those those are the things that I like to lock down pretty quick. I, I just I can't even imagine trying to block another human being. Vince, you know, I would just get blown through like a door opening <laughs> up in a saloon, man. It's just uh, it's, best of us, man. Look, I I was the kid that grew too fast. So I played offensive line when I was a young kid with on the flag side. And I just wanted to score touchdowns. But let me ask you this from a defensive line set standpoint. I don't know how frustrating it's been for you watching as a former player and obviously somebody who's got a rooted interest in mobile winning and, and wanting them to do well. Um, was it frustrating last year to see the defensive line literally be able to get no push? I mean, that's got to be, even as an offensive lineman, where you're like, yeah, good kudos to those guys for holding them off. But it's got to be frustrating to watch your defensive line literally not be able to get anywhere within a quarterback. I mean, I watched the Ole Miss game the other day and blowing Vince up while he's working because I just can't stand the fact that the defensive line, you know, you got four, five, six, seven seconds. I mean, he's just having to dance with it. Um, how frustrating is that for you watching? Yeah, and, and some of it's strategy. Like, yeah, I mean, I've, if you've ever listened to me break down a game, um, you know, it's, it's, if you're going to rush three and drop, drop eight, that's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, you're those, those eight are only going to be able to hold up so long. Uh, so mixing in and, and if you don't have the elite talent to be, or you're not there yet from, from a skill standpoint to be able to rush the passer, then you got to adapt something else. and, an exotic blitz and just has been coached. You know, we're getting down into defensive loss. So I'm one of the fans that said, do try something different. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you can only sit there and watch three guys rush and continue to just not even blink at the quarterback and all those receivers open and finally get open and have all thrown downfield. Those are those third and medium, third and long watching those downs. Those are tough to stomach um, multiple times. Like that happens. Uh, last year so you know it, it's something you would think would have to change and if there's three guys rushing you just gotta I mean somebody's got to get free and get to the quarterback I can't do three rushes again I'm sorry y'all. I can't do it I need I need more than three every time so you guys know I was on the radio so I I, I got I, I I have to I have to temper what you know the criti- criticism because I was told you know keeping criticism mild was um was uh, appreciated right I, ca- I can't just get in there and dog people although i did sometimes when i was absolutely fed up yeah and it, it seems like if there was ever going to be a time for it to, to to change it would be this year you've got yaya diaby and ashton jelati both back yaya is up to i think like 275 280 i mean that's typical dn size in a three four in the nfl you, you feel comfortable with that ashton was the, the leader from a defensive line standpoint for, and sacks coming back. We'll get into that here in a second in the buy or sell portion of, a, of our show as we wrap things up. But you've got to feel good that, that they're going to take a step forward. I want to end on the defensive line here with you, Vince, because uh, if you remember way back in the time machine when we had Derek Dorsey and Tiberius Peterson on, probably about two or three weeks after the season ended, Derek made a prediction on our show at that time. seemed kind of silly. And it's one I haven't been able to shake all offseason because I think he was right. And, and Alex, what he told us was, he thought that the, the defensive line in 2022 was going to be the breakout star of Louisville's team uh, from a standpoint because they were just just a little shy, injuries, different things that stepped in. Vince, do you believe that to be true now, even considering with Jermaine Lolay, you bring in Tafik Thomas, Caleb Banks is, you know, six foot seven, 305 pounds. You've got four, five, six guys that you can throw out there that are 305 or up. 
who can get after the quarterback. Do you feel like Derek Dorsey is kind of being vindicated here in real time? Uh, no. I, I, I love Derek. I love Derek. I don't think the D-line is going to be like the superstar of the team this year by any means. I love all those guys, too, that are out there. But I think they'll be much improved. I expect to see a lot of improvement from them this year, but just I don't think they'll be the star by any means. I mean, the offensive line will, will be the star of the team damn near with how well everybody else in the offense is going to be playing from an offensive standpoint. I mean, defensively, I expect the linebackers to be the stars, really, with Monty and Momo and then uh, Yasir on the yeah. outside. Who knows sure. who's going to play that other outside spot, Ben Perry or uh, Marvin Dallas or somebody like that. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot to like about the defense, but I always thought that it, that prediction was interesting considering how early it was in the offseason and what we had seen just several weeks prior. So, all right, let's go ahead and move into the final segment of the show here, what we call buy or sell. You're probably familiar with it, definitely not an original concept here, but – we're going to present a proposition. Uh, I will present them here for the group, and we will go through and decide whether we want to buy or sell. Uh, and let's start with this, Alex. The offensive line will come to you first. Uh, this is one we talked about a little bit during the offensive line segment. Uh, Trevor Reed played in a lot of games last year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, in your opinion, takeaway injuries, because I know obviously there's no way of predicting that, but just, do you buy or sell Trevor Reed starting 12 games at left tackle for Louisville in 2022? I would probably, uh, out of all the ones, I'd probably sell that one just based on uh, excluding injury, obviously. Um, trying to mix, trying to mix in different things um, more than anything. Gonzalez, if he's, if he's, uh, you know, have a work said he is, be able to keep him off the field. It sounds like. Um, I'm that one. All right, Vince, what do you got? Buy or sell? I'm selling it as well. I, barring injury, as long as he doesn't get injured and stuff like that, you, I, I think Michael Gonzalez will eventually end up being a starter at some point during the season, whether it be for uh, Renato on the other side or for Trevor. I'm going to go and go ahead and buy this. I think Trevor Reed, obviously the injuries last year caused some of the inconsistencies, but uh, there's, there's a reason he's on the freak list from Bruce Feldman of the athletic. The guy is an absolute yeah, he did a backflip at 300 pounds, look, man. Look, you, you, can you do a backflip at 205 pounds? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> no I can't. okay, it's on the all right, yes, okay, all right, yeah. Well, he did it on Cardinal on Cardinal Stadium's turf or uh, grass. So, my point stands. It's look, I understand that, right? It's cliche to say that that's the reason why he's going to be good, but he's a guy who's got the size, he's got the natural uh, athletic ability. And what I remember the most about Lamar Jackson at quarterback for Louisville was the fact that Jerron Christian was able to get out and block for him. He was a guy who could move and get out and make sure that even if Lamar got to the second or third level, he could get there with him and make sure he's protecting him. I like Trevor Reed to do the same for Malik. And I want to be different from the group here. So I'm going to go ahead and buy that one. Second one, Louisville's starting offensive lineman at the start of the season will be the same at the end. I, I, I guess I could, uh, depending on where you sit on whether Trevor Reed gets his job back, if he loses it, buy or sell, Alex, do you think the offensive line at the end of the season is the same uh, as what it is at the beginning of the season? You know, I think that I'm buying back into the Trevor Reed. Uh, okay. All well, right. Won't lose his job completely. It would just be a mix up, you know, trying to, trying to sneak in and it doesn't even have to be, read it could be Renato Brown potentially uh mixing in something different um to try I mean not saying they're going to need it but um yeah, yeah. I feel like this, these five are going to be a good core Vince, what, you, what about you man you think you, you're buying or selling that well like Alex said I think they'll be a good core I you know I just I feel like even at the guard spot with Adonis Boone like he could be vulnerable with Luke Kandra on his heels uh I, I'm, I'm going to sell it. I just don't feel as if those same guys will be starting every single game. 
Yeah, I, I, that's a that's a really good point. I think Boone is the interesting one there because we've heard so much hype about Luke Kendra. I think Hudson Chandler, you know, barring injury, those guys are safe in their positions. I really like what Renato Brown can bring on the outside. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that this is the same group at the end of the year. Vince, I'll come to you to start this one. In 2021, Louisville's offensive line finished 25th nationally in sacks allowed. They gave up 20 sacks on the year, 1.54. Uh, for games. App State had 17 last year. Very interesting addition there that you made. Louisville will finish better than 25th nationally. Are you buying or selling that? And sacks allowed. So they would be give up less than 20, essentially, if you're buying that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm going to buy that for sure. I mean, just with how many guys, these guys are going to be consistent throughout the year, how many we have coming back. They've all been in this offense for a number of years now. Uh, Malik coming back, obviously that helps a little bit being able to make stuff happen on his feet when pass protection breaks down. Uh, so I'm going to buy that one. We got Alex by yourself. Buying the hell out of it. This group's going to be badass. They're going to be, they're going to lock it down. Going to be a top 20 offense too. So I'm buying it. Keep him off. Keep him on his feet. That's right. We talked a little bit about it in the intro. 2019, Malik was one of the best quarterbacks in the nation with a clean pocket. You give the pocket, uh, you give him space in the pocket. He's going to be a first, second, third round pick in the NFL draft. I tell you right now. And if they finish with less than 20 sacks allowed, Louisville's winning nine games. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. All right. Louisville's defensive line will double the total number of sacks. So this is just the defensive line. Okay. I'm not talking about linebackers. I'm not talking about Yasir Abdullah, Marvin Dallas. I'm not talking about safety blitz. This is specifically the defensive line. Louisville's defensive line will double the total number of sacks from 2021. Are you buying or selling that? They finished with 13 sacks last year between about 11 guys that played. Vince, I'll let you go first. You buying or selling that? <laughs> Come on, Jacob. I'm selling the hell out of that. You're crazy. I'm not – no, not with us rushing. Coach Brown's going to have to show me that he's going to rush more than three. I mean, you're, you're not going to get that number with just rushing three on third down. Alex, Alex, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. you're selling this. Yeah, well, the rec- prerequisite where you can't put a blitz, you can't put Monty Montgomery, Green Dog, and or or Yasir Abdullah, who's you know I I think based on watching kind of how they've laid out their defense, he's going to be a primary fourth. He'll be the fourth primary rusher when they do rush. Um, yeah, if you if you're getting if you're getting 26 stat- sacks out of and Diaby and, and and our new guy, new big guy, run stoppers. Yeah, um, we're going to be beaters. So I, I don't think that would happen. But um, you know, if I just want to be better efficiently, you know, on defense, whether we don't get sacks or we get turnover, do something to get the damn ball back in the offensive hands. I'm gonna I'm gonna also sell this. Okay, I'm not crazy. Okay, I sound crazy when I read this back and I put it on here. Like realistically, thinking somebody might buy that. But think about, you had guys like Malik Clark with one sack. You had guys like Mason Riger with one sack. You had, uh, you know, uh, some of the other veterans with two and .5 sacks. I think that if you get Ashton, if you get Jermaine Lole, you get Caleb Banks, you get some of these other guys contributing. They might not get 26 as a group, but I don't think 50 – I shouldn't say – I don't think 20 is unrealistic. Seven more from where they were last year, I definitely think that's doable. And then you're really talking about that defensive line becoming a group that can bring pressure. Okay, last one, and we'll get out of here. Alex, I'll start with you. Ashton Gelati will once again lead the defensive line in sacks. Last year he finished with four, which was the lead for the defensive lineman. Are you buying that once again he'll be the top uh, sack getter for the Louisville defensive line? Um, I am just uh, knowing that. I mean, I, and I believe you know, seeing you know, work ethic and kind of his 
tenacity when I just, just from what I've seen, uh, the practices I've been to, um, dude looks like a grinder, um, and, and is ready to get after, you know, anybody's ass at any time. So if, if he can put all those things and, and develop a little bit, um, on top of all that, I think, yeah, I think he'll be the leader, um, just explosiveness, able to get through people and around people. If you can do both those things, you're pretty, you should be one of the better pass rushers. Vince, what do you think, man? Uh, I'm going to buy this one. I think with just watching Ashton last year during games and whenever I was around him in the spring in uh, 2021, uh, watching him bend that edge and just how explosive he was off his first step on his get off as a freshman with very little weight training. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a lot better this year with uh, the new strength coach and how much how much good weight he has put on. So I, I, I'm going to buy it. I am going to sell this, okay? I am going to go with Jermaine Lole being the sack leader for Louisville football on the defensive line. In 2019, his breakout season, okay, for Arizona State, the only season in which he has played a full year, okay? He hasn't played football in a year and a half, which is one thing that does concern me. He had six and a half sacks, okay? Now, look, that would mean Ashton Gelati doesn't take the big jump that you think, but I think that there's going to be much more uh, rotation with these guys. I don't think you're going to see Ashton and Yaya out there every single play like you did most of the time last year when they were both healthy. You're talking about throwing in uh, Vic Tone Brown, throwing in Mason Riger, throwing in um, all of these guys that have been waiting, Zach Edwards. I think that the numbers are going to be spread much more thin than what they were last year, but multiple guys getting more than one, if that makes sense. So I think there's going to be a, a jump from a lot of other guys without the guys at the top being the leader. Jermaine Lole is the guy. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity uh, to get sacks this year with those other guys eating blocks. I'm really excited for his potential because he is a guy on third down in pass rushing situations. You don't have to play him at the nose. You can play him at the outside in and he can rush the passer. He doesn't have to just be a run stuffer. He can do a little bit of both. I think he's the guy. So I'll sell that there. All right. That's going to wrap up the episode here. Alex, I can't thank you enough for jumping on. It's been a, a blast being able to talk with somebody who knows what they're talking about from the offensive line standpoint, because Vince, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, they're, they're big, they're strong. They do backflips. I think they're going to be really good at what they do. Doing a backflip is like how he gauges uh, a good <laughs> offensive lineman. We're, we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> like I said, man, you can't even do a backflip at 205 pounds. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Well, Alex, thank, thanks again for, for joining us. I, what do you think, man? Nine, eight, nine wins. I don't know if you want to throw out a prediction here from a number, but you think they can get that high? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the way their schedule shaped out, they don't have to play. I mean, exceptional, like lights out football to win the first tranche. You know, when you look at the first four games, their first, you know, you go down to South Florida, you have to play well. You can't just roll your helmet out and think you're going to win the game, but it's not like they have to be lights out. Um, so, I mean, if they start, if they start two and zero, they come to uh, the home opener two and zero. I feel like that. I feel like they're going to win, like I said, eight or nine. I feel like you know they they get together enough momentum, get enough confidence. I mean, grabbing two road wins right off the bat, one of them being a conference win, another being a team that thinks they you know they they're going to have something to prove and all this. It'll be a tough environment. Um, yeah, coming back home two and zero, I feel like they win at least eight. If they come back one and one, then a year. That's when you're right at you're right at the number six or seven. You're going to be right at the, you know what Vegas is thinking you are. So we'll see. Those first, those first two games are really important. Getting a hot start. 
All right, that's going to do it for us here on From the Pink Seats Podcast. Another great episode in the books. Be sure to, to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and stay tuned. Next week, we'll be joined by Dave Skull, Biggest Biscuit of ESPN Louisville, Crunch Zone. We're going to talk linebackers and running backs next week. So he's a little disappointed, Alex, that he didn't get to come on and talk offensive line and defensive line. That's kind of his thing. When we were talking earlier this week, he told me he will find a way to direct the conversation back to the big nasties every single time, which I can respect. I'm sure a guy like you can respect that from a fellow offensive lineman. Uh, But be sure to stay tuned for that episode next week. Uh, And until then, go Cards. Go Cards. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.